You're listening to the preaching podcast of the Amazing Grace Baptist Church located in Mount Airy, North Carolina, where Dr. Jonathan Barker is the pastor. We pray that the following message will be a blessing to you. Matthew chapter number 7. Of course, we're um, in the Sermon on the Mount here, and uh, Jesus picks up verse number 21, and uh, I want to read verse 21, 22, and 23, and then um, in the introduction, I want to go back to verse number 13 and uh, really bring us into what's happening right here. The Bible said in verse number 21 of Matthew chapter number 7, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. This is probably the three saddest words in our Bible. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You say, why do you feel that that's probably the three saddest words in the Bible? Because Jesus Christ Himself says, depart from me. Get out of my sight. And He is saying, depart from me, and casting them into hell at that point. With the help of the Lord, I want to preach on this thought this morning, and possibly several Sunday mornings to come. The verdict is in. The verdict is in. You ever heard the judge say this? Have you reached the verdict to the jury? What is the verdict that you have come to? What is the conclusion that you have come to? And I want to preach on the thought this morning. The verdict is in. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. God, you know the need of this service. And God, I pray, Lord, that your will and way would be done. I pray, God, that you'd strengthen us as we preach today. I pray, God, that you'd use us today. God, you know the need of this service. God, I pray, Lord, that your will and way would be done. God, there's not a doubt in my mind, God, that someone underneath the sound of my voice don't know you as their personal Savior. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to their hearts today. I pray, God, Father, that you'd convict them of their sins. I pray, God, that you'd show them their need of you. God, may they jump their pride. God, may they make their way to an altar and be saved. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help Brother Heath use him this morning down in youth church. All of our other preachers, I pray, God, that you help them today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. When we come into this passage of Scripture, I would say this. When you look back in verse number 13 and 14, you'll find that the Bible begins to talk up about the wrong way. He says that, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. He begins to talk about the different ways, and there is not but heaven and hell today. He talks about that broad is the way that is leading those to hell, and narrow is the way for the way into heaven. Simply stating it is saying this, that there is more on their way to hell uh, than there is on their way 
way to heaven. Matter of fact, you'll not find in the Bible that I can find where the Bible says uh, that heaven hath enlarged itself daily. Uh, but the Bible does say that hell hath enlarged itself daily. You want me to tell you the reason why? Because so many is falling into hell. And he deals uh, with a false path. He not only deals with a false path, but whenever you come uh, uh, to verse number 16 through verse number 20, uh, he deals with false prophets. And uh, I would say it this way, uh, if we want to look at it in our day, we don't have a prophet today, uh, uh, but we do have preachers today. And there is those uh, that are false today. Amen. There are those who claim to be one thing uh, and yet there's something else. There are those who do it for nothing more uh, than a paycheck uh, and that's the only reason they do it. I was talking to a preacher this week and as we was talking back and forth he began to talk about another preacher and here's what he said. He said that that preacher the night he got, he said uh, uh, God called him to preach, said that. He talked to him and he said you know, I, I started to wait to different night. I've been thinking about this and I thought more would be here this other night uh, and it would look better on me if I'd done it another night. Hear me and hear me well. He's not called of God. I didn't choose the night that God called me. But there was a night that God uh, uh, placed a divine call on my life. And I want you to hear me and hear me well. There is a bunch uh, of false prophets today. Uh, uh, There is a bunch of false... Amen. There is a bunch of false preachers today uh, uh, that claim to be men of God uh, and they're the furthest thing from that. Hear me and hear me well. If they don't open their mouth and cry loud and spare not and preach the whole counsel of the Word of God, the King James Bible, the Word of God, if they do not preach the whole counsel of the Word of God, they're a hireling today according to the Bible. There's things within the Bible that is hard to preach at times. I preached the other night on revival and dealt with a lot of things and that's not easy, but at the same time, we are commanded by God to do that. And He deals with those false prophets, man. He deals with them. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Some that's in it today just for the prestige of it, just for the position of it. There's some in it today, and and I want you to hear me right here. There's some in it today that has an education. They've studied that book. They can stand up and give you an outline. They can stand up and give you a motivational speech, but the Holy Ghost ain't nowhere around them. Yeah, man. They're false prophets. They're false prophets. And, and, And the Bible deals with that. When he comes to this, he begins to talk about the fruit that they bear. Matter of fact, he starts out verse 15 this way. Beware. Beware. You know what? If I'm out visiting and I, I, I pull up in a driveway, and there's a sign that says, Beware of dog. I'm going to send Brother Robert to the door. <laughs> Beware of dog. You know what that's saying? Some people has them up just cause. But I'm not going to take a chance. 
I'm going to be cautious of what's going on around me. And you know what he's saying right here? He's saying beware. It means to pay attention. To be cautious. It means to adhere. In other words, you watch every move that they make. You listen to everything they say. And God said that there's a crowd out there that you better beware of. You better beware. Just because they have clergy in their name does not mean that they're really a preacher. Just because they have reverend in front of them. Matter of fact, you'll look around on our stuff and none of mine has REV in front of it. Let me tell you the reason why. That's not in the Bible but twice and it's in reference to God. He's the only one that we give reverence to. Amen. I may have just hurt you right there but that's the truth. I, I, they know at the funeral home, don't you put, and if they do, I call them and tell them to change it. I don't want reverend in front of my name. But just because they've got rev in front of their name does not mean that they're a man of God. Just because they've got a bachelor of theology or a master's or a doctorate of theology does not make them a man of God. He said, beware. Beware. I find this interesting. I'm headed somewhere, but I find this interesting. That he talks about these two paths. And then he talks about these prophets. And here is the problem today. There is a lot of false prophets or false preachers today that is sending people down the wrong path. If we was to walk into the average church today, and ask them when the last time they heard a message on hell was, I wonder what they'd say. What most people want in a church today, now if you'll help me preach, we'll get done a little bit quicker. Matter of fact, I'm trying to get done a little bit earlier because i got to drive down the road and preach again. But what a lot of people is looking for when they walk in a church today is nothing more than a social club. They're looking for somewhere where they can go hear a little singing because it does set the mood. It does set the emotion. And then they're looking for a preacher to get up and tell them that everything's going to be alright that week and that we need to love everybody and accept everybody. That's a false prophet. We do love everybody, but we do not love their sin. And we do not accept their lifestyle. And Jesus said, the reason the way is broad is because a bunch of false prophets. Amen. Then he comes into verse number 21. He deals with that fruit. He deals with that fruit in verse number 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. He talks about how the fruit is described. And I'll just throw this out in passing. He talks about how the fruit is described. Jesus says that there's only two kinds of fruit that can be produced. There's good fruit and there's bad fruit. And you are producing one of the two. Galatians said this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That's the good fruit. But then the bad fruit, Galatians also says, now the works that 
of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lavishness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seductions, heresies. Envying, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things, hear me and hear me well, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He said if you've got bad fruit in your life and that's what you're producing, it's nothing but bad fruit. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Has nothing to do with works. And it's not saying that you lose your salvation because you can't lose your salvation but when you get saved uh, you are a new man and you produce new fruit in the Lord and he warns us about that he talks about how the fruit is described he talks about how the fruit is determined talks about how it's determined he said you can look at it and see you know what everybody says today everybody alright this morning You know what everybody says today? Well, don't judge me. You ain't got a right to judge. Bible says judge not, lest thou be judged. I agree with you. But I have got a right to look at your fruit. I have got a right to, (coughs) yeah man, to inspect your fruit. That's exactly right. If you're a child of God, you will produce the right fruit. Think about this, how the fruit's determined. Then he talks about this, what the fruit declares. What the fruit declares. In other words, if it's providing good fruit, it's a good tree. If it's providing bad fruit, it's a bad tree. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? A good tree will kick a little bit, and produce a little bit of bad fruit. But the good fruit will be what's mostly manifested out of it. I said that to say this, there is times in our life when we do things we shouldn't do. Somebody holler, Amen. But it is not a constant production of bad fruit. I read this by one writer. He said, I realize that you cannot always tell the quality of the fruit by the outward appearance. I recently purchased a watermelon that looked great on the outside, but when it was cut open, it wasn't fit to eat. However, as a general rule, if it walks like a duck, and it looks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. He goes on to say this, a life that is lived in sin, disobedience and rebellion to God is a life that is producing bad fruit. Bad fruit suggests a bad tree. A life that is consistently exhibits the fruit of the Spirit is a life producing good spiritual fruit. I want you to hear me right here. I want you to hear what I'm fixing to say to you. 
if all you ever do is produce bad fruit, then you've never been saved. Then you've never been saved. He goes on to verse number 21 and here's what he says. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Just because we say Lord, Lord, don't mean we're saved. Just because we're sitting on a church pew, don't mean that we're saved. Just because you sung in a choir does not mean that you're saved. Just because you taught a Sunday school class does not mean that you're saved. Just because you put your tithes in the offering plate this morning does not mean that you're saved. You say, preach, I was here every night with revival. I don't mean you're saved. Just because I'm standing here preaching doesn't mean that I'm saved. Just because I'll preach at 2 o'clock doesn't mean that I'm saved. And just because I'll come back and preach again tonight doesn't mean that I'm saved. Just because I'll work all week trying to get everything ready for our tent meeting coming up in just a few weeks. And man, I'm telling you, I'll run all week trying to get things in order. And just because we cut trees for a widow lady. And just because I pray. And just because I read my Bible does not mean that I'm saved. He says, not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord. He goes on down and says, many shall say, Lord, Lord. That word many right there should capture our attention. Many shall say unto me. Many shall say unto me. You ever thought about Judas? You ever thought about Judas? Judas walked in the very foot tracks of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me this morning? Walked in the very foot tracks of Jesus Christ. Judas was the most trusted man of all the disciples. Judas was. You say, why? Because he kept the money. You're not going to... If you're going to pick the treasure in the church, you're not going to pick an infidel that walks in and out of the church every once in a while. And being the treasure don't make you saved. We see that in the life of Judas. It's somebody you trust. It's somebody that you trust everything with. I want you to hear me this morning. And Jesus says this, Not everybody that stands before me says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody that says, I'm saved, is going to heaven. Matter of fact, I said this. I don't remember who it was I was talking to the other day. But we was talking about door-to-door visitation. And, and, and I asked him this question. I said, did you find anybody lost today? And he said, no, everybody's saved. You know, it's amazing. You can talk to a man that's absolutely living in a life of sin, has never walked in church a day in his life, has never even picked up a Bible, could care less about God, and you ask him in Surrey County, are you saved? Oh yeah, I'm saved. Grandpa went over to the little vine primitive Baptist. What's that got to do with you? I'm going to ask you this question this morning. 
Will you be one of the many that says, Lord, Lord? Lord, Lord? I think about verse number 21, 22, and 23. And I see the words that are clear in verse number 21. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. He said the only way you're going to get to heaven is by doing the will of my Father. I see this in verse 22. The works that are commendable. They said, but Lord, we've done some good things. And he says, well, I commend you for that. Then I see the workers that are condemned in verse number 23. Note this number one this morning. The rejected for heaven. There will be those that are rejected from heaven. There will be. During the seven years of tribulation, during the seven years of tribulation, there'll be the judgment seat. That's when us as the saved stands before God. We do not give an account for our sins because our sins are under the blood. Somebody say amen. We give an account for our works. Then there's the thousand year millennial reign. And then after the thousand year millennial reign, there is the great white throne judgment. At that judgment seat of Christ, only the saved will be present. But at that great white throne judgment, every individual will be present in that great courtroom that day. And there will be many that day as they stand in the presence of an angry God that says, but Lord, I've done this. But, but, but Lord, but Lord, I've I given the offer. But Lord, I, I knocked on doors. But Lord, I invited somebody to church and they got saved. Lord, I taught a Sunday school class. But Lord, I, I stood in the pulpit and preached. The rejected from heaven. Think about this. He says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter. Just because you're calling Him Lord doesn't mean He's Lord. I read this. It said religion is not righteousness. Preaching is not proof of godliness. A man may may be a minister because the vocation provides a mean of substance. He He may be following in his father's footsteps. He may value the prestige which accompanies the calling. And he may devote all his energy to the task of reaching the highest pinnacle in his religious order. Great orators and the approval of acclamations of multitudes are not evident of divine appropriation. Jesus said that not, Jesus said that many speakers will be rejected on the day of judgment. The properness of their profession. They said, Lord, Matter of fact, when you study it out, you'll find that that Lord was a common name in the Jewish and it was a substitute for the title Jehovah. Which name they considered a very holy name to even utter. And with them saying, Lord, Lord, even shows the reverence 
to who he is. But just because you reverence who he is, don't mean you're saved. Can I just say this? The devil reverenced who he was because he believed and trembled. But I promise you he's not going to heaven. You say, I, and I really believe this. I really believe in all my heart. And, and I'm going to say this to you this morning. I'm going to try and get you to doubt your salvation. And can I just say something right here, not in arrogance or pride. You can't get me to doubt mine. You can't do it. You want me to tell you the reason? What I God's good enough to die with. I, I know that I'm saved. And I'm really afraid that it would shock a lot of people if we really knew who wasn't saved. Simply have a form of godliness denying the power therein. You say, well, preacher, they look really good. Well, preacher, they appear that everything's fine. I read this story. Let me read it to you. On Saturday, June the 22nd, 2002, the scheduled game between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field was canceled because of an eerie discovery. The Cards ace pitcher was found dead in a Chicago motel room. 33-year-old Darrell Kyle, who wore number 57, had been a major league pitching sensation for 12 years and had appeared in three all-star games. As a recent team physical... The six-foot-five-inch athlete seemed to be in excellent health when the medical examiners conducted an autopsy later that day. They discovered that Kyle had died from a massive heart attack. His main coronary artery was 90% blocked. Daryl Kyle appeared to be so healthy, but the problem was he had a heart disease. So many people are sitting in our churches today and to everybody else's eyes, they appear so healthy. But you've really got a heart disease. Many shall say. You, you may have a proper profession. You may say, Lord, Lord. You may even stand up. You may even stand up and give a testimony that will jerk the tears out of everybody's eyes. But that does not mean that you're saved. That does not mean. There was those, there was those that seemed to the world to have it everything together. But whenever it came down to it, those that rejected from heaven. I'm going to show you number two this morning. Very unlike me, I don't have but two points today. I'm going to show you number two today. The requirement for heaven. He not only deals with those that's going to be kicked out of heaven. He says, here's what you've got to do to get to heaven. What did he say? Look in the latter portion of that verse. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You tell you the only way you're ever going to go to heaven today. Tell you the only way you're ever going to go to heaven today is if you do the will of the Father. That's the only way you're going to get there. You say, well, what was His will? Here it is. Here it is. John 3, 7. Marvel not 
that I say unto thee, you must be born again. He didn't say you must go to church. However, after you're saved, I believe you'll want to go to church. He didn't say you must give your tithe. However, I believe after you're saved, you'll want to give your tithe. I got two amens right there. That shows me everybody's not tithing. Let me tell you what the Bible says about you. If you're not tithing, you're a God robber. That's exactly what it says. That's exactly what it says. Amen. He says you're a God robber. Tithing don't take you to heaven. However, after you're saved, I believe you'll want to tithe. Telling somebody about the Lord don't take you to heaven. However, after you're saved, I believe you'll want to tell somebody what the Lord's done for you. Yeah, man. He said to get to heaven, you must be born again. He said nothing. He said nothing about being faithful to church, but you will be. Are you hearing me preach this morning? He said you must be born again. I'll ask you this question. Now, come start playing something. I'll ask you this question. Death is so uncertain But at the same time, death is so certain. It's uncertain in this, we don't know when we're going to face it. But it's certain in this, it's appointed unto man once to die. Matter of fact, this week, this past week in our county, is either six or seven deaths, unexpected deaths in our county. None of us has promised our next breath. I want you to hear me this morning. None of us. We all have plans, and I've said that a million times. I do. I've got plans after service today. I'm going to shake hands. As soon as I shake hands, I'm going to jump in the vehicle. I'm going to drive the king. Our family's going to sing. I'm going to preach. I'm going to get in the vehicle. I'm going to drive back home. I'm going to preach tonight. After I preach tonight, I'm going to uh, meet with the family after service and talk to them. And then I'm going to go home and crash. After I eat eggs and tater tots. <laughs> we all got plans tomorrow. I got meetings with insurance companies. I, I, I'm trying to get everything set up for that tent meeting. And, 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 and then we've got youth camp coming up. This week is just one thing right after another, right after another, right after another. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to put in my planner, sit down. And just see if that will fit in there somewhere. (laughs) Breathe. I have to put that in there every once in a while. Especially this time of the year. We're going into tent meeting. We got sunrise service coming up. We got a meal coming up, and thank God for good people. I don't have to worry about the meal. They, it's just took care of. But we've got all that coming up. The week after the tent meeting, I'm in Statesville. I'm in Union Grove. I'm in Burnsville. Yeah, I'm going to put breathe in there that week. And then there's two or three other meetings. Then we roll right into youth camp. We're trying to get everything settled on youth camp, what to do with youth camp. And then when that's done... We got planning for vacation Bible school. And then when that's done, it's time to start Christmas play practice. 
and then throw about 15 more preaching appointments in the midst of all that. We've all got plans. But don't you hear me this morning? We're all going to die one day. I run much more like I am right now. It'll probably be sooner than later. But we're all going to die. And I know that's not popular, but it's just true. It's just true, church. It's just true. We're going to die. And the thing that scares me so much is that there could very well be somebody in this room that stands before God one day after you've lived through seven years of tribulation. Because you're not going to get saved in that tribulation period. We'll deal with all of that when we go into this study on the second coming over the next several weeks on Sunday nights. Probably the next several months on Sunday nights. But you're going to stand before God one day. And God's going to say, who are you? Oh, but I went to Amazing Grace Baptist Church. I listened to Jonathan McNeese preach revival. We, I want you to hear me right here. The greatest preachers walking in shoe leather today normally stands in our pulpit. Some of the greatest preachers that there is in America today has come through our church over the past two years. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but they have. Some of the most, I, I mean this, especially Tuesday night, I'm telling you, them girls had God all over. Monday night, I've never heard Miss Mandy and Miss Tane and Brother Jeff sing like that. Never. I've known them for probably close to 20 years. I've never heard them sing. I mean, God was manifested on them. Tuesday night, the glory of God was manifested in this place. My greatest fear is that some of you sat through that great revival in 2016 that we had that went two weeks here, that five-week revival that we had in 2016 where over 200 were saved in it. And yet you're going to get to God one day and you're going to stand before God and God's going to say, I don't know who you are. Well, I put my tithes in every Sunday at Amazing Grace Baptist Church. Lord, Lord, depart from me. If you've never been born again, you're not going to heaven. You're not, it's just plain and simple. You're not going. You're not going. I don't ask you something. Why gamble with that? Why gamble with that? Many of you know Tim Bledsoe, and it was just, was it this week, this past week, or the week before? This past week, me and Brother Aaron was talking about this. Was in a dump truck, just dumping some rock off the back of it. He got over too close to the edge, and it turned over. Door opened up, he came out, it landed on his foot. They was able to lift it up, and he crawled out from underneath it and was just fine. But do you know how close he was to death? You know, somewhere in a hospital emergency room right now is a man that woke up and put a suit on 
with all intentions of going to the house of God today. But he's laying on a hospital bed fighting for his life now. There's some young person that got up and everybody thought they was healthy and just fine. That a family's standing over right now weeping and mourning and a preacher or a chaplain's gathered around them trying to comfort them during this time. It's real. It's real. And if you don't know the Lord, you're going to go to hell one day. No matter all the preaching that you've heard, no matter how many prayers has ever been prayed for you, you personally have to come to that point in your life where you say, God, I realize I'm lost. You don't have to say these words. Understand what I'm saying. But you turn from this old world and you turn to God. You leave the things of this world and you turn to God believing that He will save you from your sins and take you to heaven. And if that day has never come in your life, then you'll hear those three sad words. Depart from me. I say this in closing. My dad and I is like that. Besides my wife, he's my best friend. And I love my daddy. Already talked to him today. I love my daddy. I know that the day will come if the Lord doesn't come back. Some of y'all, Tim will have to help me through the valley that y'all have walked through that I've never had to walk through. And I know that will come. I remember as a boy growing up, I, honestly, I didn't get in a bunch of big trouble. I just stayed in a bunch of little trouble all the time. Tina and I was talking about that this morning. But I remember every once in a while my daddy would get mad He'd say, just go on. Just go on. Or my daddy would walk out because he was so upset with me. Brother Josh, man, I'm going to tell you something. That was heartbreaking. My daddy's left-handed, and, and, and I'd rather for him to took his fist, Brother Josh, and just punch me in the face and to tell me to go on. Because even if he was angry, I still like being in my father's presence. There's coming a day that you're going to be in our Father's presence. He's going to say, depart from me. I don't know who you are. The verdict is in this morning. And if you've never been born again, the only thing you have to look forward to is hell. Because that is the next stop. Are you saved?